Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Dr. History, good morning. Good morning, Zeb. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I had to fight the wind coming out here, but it's going to blow me all the way back to Burley. Can you imagine if you're going back to Burley, put a sail up on top of your I pickup? I and... wouldn't even need to start the engine. <laughs> no, no, I know it. It's blowing out there. Uh, it it's is. not a good day for guys like me on crutches that wear hats. I was going to say, don't wear your hat outside. I don't chase good. <laughs> you what, wouldn't. What's going on? I want to say hi to some people. Okay. Kevin, back in Boone, North Carolina. Oh, that is a lovely part. Yeah, okay. So he's a professor at Appalachian State University. Okay. And he told me about him and his dad used to come out west, visit all these places out here in Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. And uh, his dad passed away a while ago, but he loves our show because we talk about some of the places that he's been to. Really? So thanks for writing that, Kevin. I, I appreciate that. That's nice. Uh, Christopher, who actually has helped me uh, with a little donation towards uh, uh, writing my book. I appreciate that. And John, down in Texas, is a seventh-grade history teacher. And he has suggested a story about a tribe of Indians that I have never heard of before. And it's he actually helped me with the pronunciation. Oh, Zeb. here we go. This ought to be good. So I've got it down. It's the Caltechan Indians. Caltechan. Caltechan. I've never heard of that. I, I haven't either. But they evidently they are uh, were down there in Texas, and so I may see if I can do a story about okay. them. And All right. so thanks, John, for uh, for that suggestion. There's a lot of people that are tuning in listening. We are. We're, we've got yeah. over 400 stories out there, and yeah. we're up to about 90,000 downloads this yeah. year. So today we're going to go back to 1880 in uh, Glacier Bay, Alaska. So oh, we're going to go we, north to Alaska. We're going to get cold again. We're going to get cold. So picture this. There's a big old canoe that's bobbing in the water in a place called Wrangell Bay, Wrangell Harbor. Okay. And it's loaded with camping supplies. It's early August in 1880. And John Muir, you've heard of John Muir? Yeah. Okay. Why he, have I heard about him? He's kind of a, he's helped with like uh, national parks and conservation, things like oh, that. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. A naturalist. Okay. So he's ready to start on a trip. And uh, along with him is a guy named Reverend Samuel Hall Young. And as he's coming down the dock towards the canoe, he has a dog with him. Now, Muir is not real happy with having a dog that he doesn't think is even going to be able to survive the trip but the dog jumps in the canoe and and so they're ready to go was it his dog no it was the reverend's dog oh so but 
The Thou shalt did. not curse the reverend's dog. No, no. So this cedar canoe was piloted by a wrangle guide by the name of Lot Tyene, who had brought with him his son-in-law, Joe, who was an excellent hunter and cook, and 17-year-old Billy, a local boy, was coming uh, because he spoke both English and Clinket, which is... Uh, One of the Indian tribes right, up there. Yeah. Right, right. So the Clinket language. So the five men were ready to set they out. They lived next to the Clangs. The, no, <laughs> they did not. <laughs> So, 1880, naturalist John Muir was not the first tourist to come to the Alaska Panhandle, but he may have been the most famous early one. Uh, His writings had appeared in American magazines. He was known across the United States. On his first Alaskan trip the, the summer before, he had met this Reverend Young, and they became good friends. Well, the missionary admired uh, Muir's enthusiasm and his stamina and asked him to stay on in Wrangell as his house guest. Well, Muir, in turn, talked his new friend into sharing this uh, uh, paddle trip that fall. So the two and their guides and the dog reached Glacier Bay before needing to return to Wrangell so Muir could make the last steamer home. So they were on a kind of a schedule. They had to get up there, make this trip, and then get back in And time. this is in a canoe. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Muir had nearly enough time there, and he was wanting to explore this Glacier Bay and take notes. So this 1880 journey was uh, kind of a tourist trip in a way, but with a serious mission. Okay. And you'll see what I'm talking about, I think. For a map, uh, Muir had a copy of one that had been made 70 years earlier, the coastline was drawn very, very poorly. It had a few bays and glaciers marked. And as they traveled, Muir corrected the lines of the map and gave names to a lot of the landmarks. So you can imagine 70 years later to do a, an accurate map of that part of Alaska. Wow. So, <laughs> and there was really nobody around to call for help or anything. No, they Holy were just in cow. this canoe, the five of them for the dog. So, Wrangell uh, lies halfway down the Alaska Panhandle, and Glacier Bay is more than 200 miles to its north. Oh, my goodness. So, the group paddled the dugout canoe north through a bunch of islands. Muir was in a hurry to see these glaciers. He had some theories about glaciers, and he he wanted to see these. Uh, Lots and lots of glaciers. And he pushed them in to paddle for long days. Along the way, they explored narrow glacier-carved bays called fjords, which, uh, you know, I, th- I thought those were just like in Norway and yeah. places like that. Now, there's five people right, and a, a dog with all their gear. In a canoe. Yeah. That must have been a pretty good-sized canoe. It must have been a good, yeah. So Lot, uh, uh, who was the, the uh, guide, tied tree branches to the outer edge of his canoe to protect it from floating ice. So they're traveling through an ice, uh, you know, a bunch of ice uh, flows in, in the in the water there, and the men use long sticks to push away icebergs. Now this doesn't sound like a fun trip to you me. You know, I'm starting to be glad I'm here. Yes, yeah, but chunks of this dense blue ice uh, that crashed down from the steep ice walls, uh, they would send big waves across the bay. Oh my! And have you ever? Been up there, Zev? I don't want to go up there. Okay, I don't I, like cold. I've been up there uh, on, on a cruise ship. And I know I, you have. And I saw these great big chunks of ice come crashing down from the from the uh, glacier. Yeah. And it, uh, you have these great big waves that come out from that uh, 
from the, I saw the it ice. on one of those like National Geographic yeah. films, and I mean it's like a tidal wave. Yeah, but the, these guys they were they were kind of the native men were uncomfortable, and they're in a canoe in a canoe because they were so dangerously close to the ice. Well, oh if they fell in, you know, they would quickly die because oh. you just you wouldn't survive. But nonetheless, Muir had plotted a course and he planned to stick to it. Well, when the party finally stopped at camp each night, Muir would go out exploring, and this dog would follow him. And in three weeks, the canoe reached this glacier bay, which I said was 200 miles by canoe. That's a long paddle. So this group explored 60 miles deep into this iceberg-filled bay. Oh, my. They stopped for a full week at this grand, uh, now-called Muir Glacier. Mm-hmm. And Muir had seen and named his, this glacier on his 1879 trip, and he was just amazed at this glacier. And again, like I say, he had ideas about glaciers that he wanted to prove. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So after leaving Glacier Bay, they paddled west, coming to a smaller bay that was not on the map and now known as Taylor Bay. Uh, the sky was thick with fog. Uh, the rain drizzled on the men, soaking them to the skin. Ugh. It took all of their strength to paddle ashore through the iceberg. What time of year was this? This was about August. And it's that cold? Oh, yeah. Ooh. It's still awfully cold. So on shore, they set up camp by a glacier. Uh, Muir was fascinated with this particular glacier because he... It appeared to him that the glacier was growing while others were getting smaller. So he couldn't figure this out. So he wanted to go. He noticed while he was there that it was growing? Yeah, somehow he was able to see the way the rocks were, and uh, somehow he figured out that some were getting bigger and some were getting smaller. I would have been scared. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway. He decided he would spend the next day exploring the glacier, which he called Taylor Glacier. So they're just on a piece of ice. No, they're ashore. They're on shore now, oh. uh, next to this glacier. I so see. they've set up camp, and that's where they're at, on okay. shore. All right. So he got up early, and he took no time for breakfast. A storm was brewing, and he was kind of in a hurry. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, he came from Scotland. Okay, Scotland's kind of a cold, uh, rainy uh, area, Yeah, too. especially if you're wearing a kilt. <laughs> that would probably be true. But he was particularly eager to experience this glacier in a snowstorm. Now, that to me... Uh, this guy hasn't got all of his marbles on the table, does <laughs> he, he? He wanted to witness it in a snowstorm. I see. Okay, he dropped a biscuit in his pocket and picked up the ice axe. The dog insisted on joining him. And pretty soon, they took off, and they were climbing up on the ice. Uh, 
oh my. Uh, uh, of this big, huge glacier, and he estimated it to be about eight miles wide at the at the water's edge. So picture the the ocean, the water, and this glacier stretching for eight miles across. I can't envision that. Yeah. So uh, he took. <coughs> oh, excuse me. He took out his notebook and, and actually... That sneeze is what this guy got from being in the cold. <laughs> yes. He took out his notebook and he drew what he, the best he could, uh, the glacier. And he, he describes it, it was like a river of ice flowing down the mountainside. And as you look at pictures of glaciers, they do look like they're flowing down, right? Yeah. Uh, so it was uprooting trees on either side and rocks, even great big boulders on each side of the glacier. So he knew it was moving, but uh, it was carving the valley uh, just as it had carved the bay for centuries or years, many, many, many years. Well, he used his axe to cut steps into the steep rises on the glacier so that the little dog could follow him. Well, together they hiked along the east bank of the glacier, and that wasn't too bad. So he crossed uh, the width of the glacier, eight miles, crossed it. All by himself? With a dog, The yeah. guy is crazy. Yeah. Well, the glacier center was flowing faster than the sides, and it was buckling into these big crevasses. Okay? Um, he figured some of these, I say crevices, were 1,000 feet deep and 30 feet across. That's three times the depth of the Snake River Canyon. Yeah. And so he would jump over these cracks that were only maybe eight feet wide. But whoa, now, whoa, whoa, whoa. How do you... Jumped over? Jumped over these crevices that Are were, you believing all this? Yeah, I am. <laughs> eight feet wide. He must have been a pretty good long jumper. And stupid. Uh, but he was impressed to see the little dog followed him. It would jump across with him. Dog wasn't bright either. And, and the glacier's west bank, uh, on the glacier's west bank, he would uh, these crevasses. He would jump over there eight feet wide, and how deep? Who, well, deep enough you wouldn't come back out. Thousand feet, you know. So uh, anyway, uh, oh. finally he came to a lake that was filled with bobbing icebergs, and he said it was beautiful. In the glacier. Uh, yeah, up on top of the glacier, there was a lake. Uh, but he said it was getting late, so it was time to leave. Getting yeah. late in the day. Yeah. Remember, this is just a day hike. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, he headed down, taking what he thought was the shortest route. By this time, the snow was blowing harder, and he wandered blindly into a maze of cracks. Muir was getting a bit nervous and wasn't entirely sure how he would get back. Now, he had kept his eyes trained down so he wouldn't fall into a crevice which concerned him since he couldn't plan a route carefully if he was always watching his feet. He's always looking down. Okay. Nonetheless, he kept going in what he thought was the right direction, again, jumping over these crevices or crevasses. When he came to them, the dog kept up with him and jumped across. Eventually, however, the crevices got wider until they could not be jumped. Okay, now right. what do we Now do? we're in trouble. Yeah. Muir kept hoping each large crevice would be the last. The snow was thick, night was coming, and Muir began to suspect that he would have to spend the night on the glacier. With nothing more than... I, a, a day pack. I, I don't know what kind of gear he had with him. You know, one wouldn't want to start a fire on an ice glacier. Well, would he? probably not. Okay. There wouldn't be a lot of wood to gather. <laughs> so the man and dog came to one crevice that was much longer and wider than the others. 
Unable to bear the idea of trying to walk around it, Muir found a place where he dared to jump. Luckily, he reached the other side without sliding back into the bottom. Well, the dog managed to jump across too. But the very next step posed a big problem. Muir was standing on an ice island. What does that mean? Well, so you got this big crevice. Yeah. And he jumps across, but now it's farther to the other side. So it's like a little island uh, out in the middle of this deep crevice. This sounds like a Saturday morning cereal. Yeah. So the only way off was an ice bridge, the bridge between this island thing and over to the next side. Okay. But uh, that would require Muir to climb down several feet uh, down to the wall of this island. Into the crevasse. Yeah, down a little ways. Leaving him suspended in air hundreds of feet above a certain icy death if he fell. What about the dog? Well, I'll get to that. Oh, hurry up. Okay. So, cutting steps with his axe, he carefully crawled down the ice bridge as he slid along the bridge on his stomach. Are you kidding? He flattened it with the axe because it must have been rounded. So, he flattened it so he could hang on. Once on the other side, Muir called for the dog. But the dog refused to follow. Good dog. After much begging from Muir, the dog stepped slowly down the ice steps to the ice bridge. The dog went down the steps? Any slip would have sent him tumbling to his death. The dog finally made it to Muir, made it across. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> well, the rest of the journey down the glacier was pretty, pretty easy. And he got out of there. Yeah. But it was late when Muir and the dog returned to camp. They'd been gone 17 hours. They were miserable, cold, and hungry. Now, the Reverend Young, uh, who was his partner on this, you know. Wasn't he the owner of the dog? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he had a story to tell. He said the camp had guests uh, while they were gone. A Huna Clinket chief and the man's three wives. The visitors gave Young gifts of porpoise meat, salmon, clams, crabs, and strawberries. And Young was amazed to see strawberries growing this far north. But then the uh, the visitor asked a favor. He said, could Reverend Young pray to his God to stop the glacier from advancing? Because he said it was blocking off a valuable salmon stream, and a few years it would totally cover the stream, which was a source, the salmon, of course, a source of food for the Tlingit uh, uh, Eskimos. Well, hoping to please the glacier spirit, the chief had already killed two of his slaves as a sacrifice to the gods. The missionaries saw this uh, as this story as proof that these people really needed Christianity. But evidently he prayed uh, to satisfy the chief that he would try to stop the advance of the glacier. Well, and then Muir realized, too, that this was proof that the glacier was growing because of the, the clinket chief, what he said. Anyway, from Taylor Bay, the group quickly paddled south. Muir was in a hurry to catch that southbound ship uh, in September, the mail ship. And his canoe trip had lasted only about six weeks. And so picture that. He must have traveled like 500 miles in in this canoe. Holy But he needed to return home to California. And Muir shared his map with the U.S. government since it was much better than any other map available at the time. So if you think about it, this was 1888. So the Klondike Gold Rush was another 10 years down the road. So he kind of, in a way, maybe paved the way for the Klondike Gold Rush. 
but he also helped uh, establish, when he got home, he uh, established some uh, national parks. Um, he, uh, let's see, well, at one time, President Theodore Roosevelt invited him on a camping trip in Yosemite. And they spent three days exploring the waterfalls and things like this. But this inspired by this trip with Muir, Roosevelt set aside more than 230 million acres of public land, which is larger than the state of Texas. And it included five national parks and 18 national monuments. But because of Muir, he helped create several national parks, including Sequoia in 1890, Mount Rainier in 1899, and the Grand Canyon in 1908. Holy smokes. So he was quite a naturalist, explorer, uh, but that trip to Alaska, wow. I and mean, he, this is amazing. This is one of the best stories you've ever had. Well, he, you know, Alaska, you know, like I said, I... To do this on your own, yeah. and knowing that a false step on the ice... Right. And you're going to go a thousand feet into a crevasse? Exactly. Oh, my... No. Now, like I said, I've been to Alaska, uh, yeah. Skagway, where the, Klon, where the oh uh, Klondike uh, miners started out from. Yeah. But we took a helicopter trip up on top of a glacier and landed on this glacier. And I'm it starting was, to wonder about how smart you are. <laughs> it was amazing, Zeb. And uh, as we were walking around on this glacier, which at the, where we were, it was flat. Okay, it was safe. Did you see any crevices or no. crevasses? No, but uh, there was a stream of water uh, about two feet wide coming out. And I asked the guide, our pilot, I said, is that water good to drink? He said, that's the purest, cleanest water you will ever drink. So we all had to get down and get handfuls of water. And you know how sometimes water tastes good? Yeah. You know how just that cold. Yeah. Oh, and it was. It just was. Did you have your dog with you? I did not take no. a dog. Okay. No. But it was an amazing. That is a scary story. It is. Really? And, well, you think about uh, Shackleton down at the uh, South America, or yeah. South America, the South Pole. Yeah. You know, and his trip going across crevices and what he did. Holy so, moly. Anyway, I That's have, one of your best. I have no desire to be in the cold. Uh, no, I wouldn't go on a <laughs> glacier for anything.